What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Tyloo Soccer Cast, a podcast where we talk all things soccer. I'm uploading a little bit late this week because I was recovering from sickness, but I'm back. I'm feeling better, and I'm ready to get into all the juicy headlines and stories that have come out. And man, this week has been insane. There has been so many stories, so many transfers, clubs in shambles, financial fair play getting on people's backs, and I can't wait to break it down with all of y'all. But I'd first like to thank you for continuing to listen to the podcast. We're only getting better from here, so let's get straight into it. So the first story, the first set of stories, I'm going to put under the umbrella of financial fair play. Something we all kind of understand, or not even understand, something that we all know about, but maybe not fully understand, and it has been rampant in the news this past couple weeks. So the first thing, the first story that kind of really kicks off is Juventus being deducted 15 points in the table, dropping them down the mid-table due to breaking financial fair play regulations. Now, at first, they were under investigation for this a month ago, two months ago. They were they were found not guilty. They were found not to be breaking regulations. So nothing happened. It was them and eight other clubs that were indicted. But now, over the past couple weeks, the investigation reopened. They were found guilty, and they were deducted these 15 points which is huge for them considering that they had made it up the third and they haven't been having a two stellar they haven't been having stellar seasons in the past but what exactly did they break now i'm going to be honest it's very complicated i'm not sure i completely understand what most of it is but i have a pretty good idea and from what i understand it's basically the books not adding up and they're adding valuation to players that might not be valued at that and a lot of this is coming from swap deals. Now, it's kind of weird that all this is coming from swap deals because it's a practice that a lot of clubs around Europe use. It's not just Juventus. And it honestly can kind of benefit both clubs in a swap deal because they're both getting players that they want. Or they're getting two players for one or one for two, something like that. It just seems like both sides benefit. Now, the problem comes in with how you evaluate these players. So let's say... Um, there you have a player in your team. You value him at twenty million. Maybe other clubs don't see it like that, but you value him at twenty million. Now, no one can really tell you no because that's how you evaluate him. And there's no service out there that provides valuations for players. There's no organization. There's no such thing. There's that transfer market online, transfer market, whatever it is. Then they evaluate players or they give them valuations but that's not an official organization so therefore they really have no sway on these sort of things and so what Juventus and some other clubs it wasn't just them they were inflating the valuations of some of these players and it was really making their accounting their books their balance sheets their income statements it was really making them look good and that is breaking financial fair play. They are overvaluating these certain players that they get and they exchange in these swap deals, and it looks better on their books than what it actually does, which is a problem because that can lead to unfairness. Now, like I said, this isn't just something that Juventus does. It is a pretty common practice, especially in Serie A, that clubs do this. They'll swap players back and forth. They'll add the, um, 
they'll add these players, these valuations on their income statements. It'll make them look really good. When really, in reality, that might not necessarily be the case, which is why they were flagged for this a couple months ago, and now they were flagged for it again, and they were found guilty, and they were deducted points. Now, Juventus is appealing this, but it's not looking good for them. And their board a couple months ago, when all this was kind of flaring up, all resigned, all quit, and now they are being implicated in all of this. One of the members, or one of the people... Uh, and on this scandal, I guess you could call it scam, financial fair play, irregularity, has moved to Tottenham. And he has been a member of Tottenham, and now he's been banned, I think, for like 30 months or something crazy, which has really put them in, in a bind because they had just acquired him from Juventus. So now they're kind of having to deal with this financial fair play stuff, even though they haven't necessarily done anything wrong. But he was a part of all this financial fair play stuff and all this income valuation things and there's even talk of some criminal proceedings that are going to result because of all this because in a way it is fraud you're over evaluating and you're you're inflating the look of your income statement and balance sheets now i found this pretty interesting i just learned this a few days ago that in milan Juventus is publicly traded and so lying about these sort of things is a crime like over Overvaluating your your club, your balance sheets, your income, that is not good. That is a crime. That's fraud, which is kind of why it's going to be a criminal proceeding as well. Now, one of the other interesting things that financial fair play that I've learned about is that on these balance sheets, Juventus have done the same thing where they require a player for a certain amount of money. They will swap it like for like for another club. Like, oh, I'll give you this player for... 20 million and we'll give him for 20 million and we'll sign him on a five-year five-year contract well they can spread out uh, the payments on paper this isn't necessarily the the case for how they're going to pay but on paper they can say we're going to spread out this payment over however long their contract was which isn't a crime but that's not the case which can also lead to these kind of flags which draws me into chelsea fc and now they're being under the scope of financial fair play. Now, they're not going to get charged with anything because they technically haven't broken any rules, but they are using this philosophy of, on their books, they are spreading out a player, a payment, a transfer fee across the entirety of a player's contract. So Chelsea, to a lot of people's surprise, are signing their players to a lot of long and big contracts. For example, Mudrick, eight-year contract. There's a couple other players, eight-year contract. So obviously these players are looking good. You want to tie them down for as long as you want. You want to tie them down for a long time. But as, is that necessarily what they are trying to do? And the answer is no. They are bending the rules of financial fair play, and they found a loophole to get around that and leave it to an American owner and his team of lawyers and accountants to find those loopholes, which they have done. So, while Chelsea aren't going to get indicted, UEFA are now going to change these rules. That way, that cannot be the case, and clubs can no longer do that because that can lead to unfairness and really lead to misvaluations of people's income statements, books, whatever you want to call it. But like I said, they haven't done anything wrong, which is why they can spread Mudrick's 100 million fee, 110, however much they paid for him over his eight-year contract. Now, it is important to think and important to say that 
there is a rule that you can't sign players to eight-year contracts. So why exactly are Chelsea signing these players to eight-year contracts? Pretty much what they're doing is they are signing them to five-year contracts because that is the max. That is the limit. They can only sign players to five-year contracts. But there's places, there is subsections where we have the addition, we have the option to add three years if we want, which obviously if they want to maintain this, we're going to spread this out over eight years, they are going to execute those options for an extended contract. Now, for a player like Mudrick, that's not going to, be an issue for them because I could see him staying the whole time, full eight years. They're going to want him the full eight years, but that's really not the point. The point is that they are doing this on purpose to make their books look better in order to comply with financial fair play. Because in financial fair play, essentially, if your spending and your income does not match up, if your books don't add up, that is a problem. Everything needs to be evening out. You cannot be spending more than you are taking in an income, which is where clubs are starting to get flagged in UEFA and the FA and all these other country uh, football organizations are starting to take notice and they're going to start implementing more financial fair play stuff. Now, this kind of also spills into La Liga a little bit because Barcelona recently tried to register Gavi, their center mid starlet, on a new contract because he technically is still a youth player apparently and they wanted to sign him as a first team player but yet they have already reached their spending limit on contracts, transfers um, how much their wage bill is, they are no longer allowed according to La Liga to spend any more money until they get rid of more contracts, sell more players that way the income and the spending add up. Now they are confident that they can resolve this issue they are hopefully they were hoping by offloading Memphis Depay um, and Gerard Piquet that this would open up so that way they could apply for the contract to be um, accepted by La Liga, but they still said that there needs to be more room for them in their budget before they can register that contract and the wages. So financial fair play has been rippling the soccer world, and honestly it is something that we probably need to – keep a little bit more focus on because with everything there's going to be more loopholes there's going to be more things that we're going to notice that clubs are doing that might seem weird but there might be financial incentive behind those things so keep an eye out for financial fair play things for news for whatever because it's only it's only heating up especially with this Juventus stuff now other clubs are going to have to be looking into I'm not going to want to end up like Juventus what are we going to do now so I feel like things are going to start changing a little bit financially for all these clubs, and financial fair play is something to look out for. Now, another thing, switching on, switching off from financial fair play, I want to focus on Everton. So, as a Liverpool fan, I'm kind of enjoying seeing the the sign, the sight of them getting relegated. But if I were to look at this from an unopinionated thing. They are simply in shambles. Everton are in shambles right now. They recently, this past week, fired Frank Lampard after losing 2-0 to David Moyes' West Ham. And there was rumors that he was going to get fired if he lost that game. But Moyes came out on top. Lampard got sacked. And this week has been crazy for them. They were just about to sign um, 
Danjuma from Villarreal. And the day that they had um, sacked Lampard, Tottenham made an offer. Danjuma chose Tottenham over Everton because there is so much uncertainty about Everton right now. They are facing relegation. It's not looking good. Now, they did just appoint Sean Dyche as their new manager. Now, he used to coach Burnley, and he knows what it takes to be in a relegation scrap. He knows what it's going to take to fight, to get the results, hopefully to get the mentality of his team, to get the best of them. But it is not looking good. The team just is not looking cohesive. Maybe that could have been Lampard's fault. I've been hearing a lot of stuff that maybe it's the board's fault. It's those on top. It's things are not being communicated. There's miscommunications. There's they're not on the same page with transfers, whatever. And it's causing a ripple effect down the club, causing poor performances. Now, I do think Lampard, in a way, was at fault a little bit. Tactics, they're, they're, they just didn't seem like they were doing anything to really address the problems that they were having. And teams were just like, all right, we're going to take advantage of these weaknesses. And nothing really changed. And so he, did, he probably should have been sacked. Now, who knows what that means for his career, because now he's been sacked from two clubs. Maybe he's going to be uh, back in the championship soon, working with some of those teams, trying to get them promoted. But I don't see a Premier League team making a move for him anytime soon after that. But Sean Dyche has been brought in. He's going to be the one that Everton fans are going to look to to bring them out of the relegation zone. However, things have not been looking good for Everton anyway on the player basis. So Anthony Gordon, who is one of Everton's starlets, in the past couple days made a move to Newcastle. So he is gone. And another one of their starlets, Amadou Nana, who has been doing really well for him, is looking like he might be making an exit as well. So it looks like Chelsea and Arsenal, they're, Chelsea and Arsenal right now are in a scrap. They're trying to get a new midfielder, try, like a CDM type of player. Both of them are trying to get one. They both went for Caicedo. No, it looks like they're going for Onana, but we'll see where they go from that. Now, I kind of want to touch on this whole Dan Juma to Tottenham story because everything was agreed. Everything, the medical was complete, the contract was signed, and like I said, after um, Lampard was sacked, that's when everything kind of fell apart with that move because there was so much uncertainty. Um... Tottenham made an offer. He chose to sign with Tottenham. So it was a little bit of bad timing on Everton's part to sign, uh, to sack uh, Lampard in the middle of all this uncertainty. Now, hopefully they can get a couple more players in after to replace Anthony Gordon and maybe Amadou Nana and their transfer target, Dan Juma, and just get a couple more players that kind of change the mentality, provide some reinforcements in areas that they're struggling and just maybe they'll be able to get out of the relegation zone. But we'll see. It's not going to be easy. Leeds are kind of on the cusp of um, relegation. They're going to be fighting hard. West Ham are on the cusp of relegation. They're going to be fighting hard. So Everton are really going to have to scrap to stay out of the zone this this year. And I think this would be, if they were to get relegated, that would be the first time they would be relegated in their history. So they are obviously looking to avoid that. And we'll see if they can do it. We'll see if Sean Dyche is the man to do it. Right now, it's not looking good. Sitting in 19th place, looking relegation right in the face. 
time to recall Deli Ali. That would be the last thing that they should do. I saw a highlight reel of Deli Ali in Besiktas. Oh my God, he is he is not the same player. He he looks nothing like he did it, but Tottenham when he was looking like a starlet, he is just not that guy anymore. I don't think he would solve any of their problems, but maybe if they are desperate, they can recall him. But I don't. I so Besiktas wanted to send Deli Ali back. And Everton straight up said, no, we don't want him back right now. So, Deli is in a weird place. He's not playing well, and he probably won't be the man to help Everton, but I think it's pretty funny. So, I'm going to move on to just some broader transfer news going on this week, and I'm going to start with Moises Caicedo. I kind of mentioned him earlier. Arsenal and Chelsea are vying to get his signature. Now, Arsenal did make a £60 million bid that was rejected by Brighton. And the Gunners might be looking to make an improved offer in the coming days. Now, Brighton are very, very adamant that they are not going to sell Caicedo. They really want him to stay. They are telling clubs that you're at least going to have to pay $100 million if you're going to even want us to think about it. Now, Caicedo has come out and basically said that he wants to move. He wants to move on to Arsenal or Chelsea. And Everton pretty much said stop coming to training until the transfer window is up. So, damn. That's pretty serious. I think Everton are going to want to try and bring in players first before they sell Caicedo off. They want a full transfer window. January signings are tough in general, so they don't want to get rid of their one of their star players and just have no one back up for them. So, I could definitely see Caicedo maybe – making a move in the summer, maybe for a better price than $100 million. But if they were to even consider anything right now, it has been said that it is $100 million. And like I said, Arsenal are looking for Amadou Nana maybe to be a backup to Caicedo. They're looking to bring in someone to kind of back up Partey because he's one of their star players. And if he gets hurt and he kind of has had a injury record, they want to have someone in place that can really do the same job that he has been doing, the work that he's been putting in. They put in Lakonga the other day. He's just, I don't think he fits well in that position. He just really hasn't been playing well in general. So I do think they need to bring in a stronger replacement for him if Partey were to get hurt sometime in the season, which is pretty amazing. I don't want to be jinxing Arsenal right now, but they have had a pretty stellar injury uh, avoiding players getting injured. So we'll see if they can keep that up. They're looking very good. They're looking very, very motivated, and they're looking to strengthen their side, and we can see if they can do it. Now Chelsea are also kind of going for Caicedo, and they're also kind of going for Amadou Nana. It just looks like these clubs are having a tug of war for who can get each other's targets. Obviously, these two clubs are intense competitors, both London clubs. And they're both going for the same signatures, so we'll see who gets who. And maybe this window and into the summer, I think these two are going to have a lot of time back and forth trying to get the same players because it looks like it just looks like that's what Chelsea's doing. They're looking at what Arsenal wants, and they're really, oh, we kind of want that too. So it's going to be a really interesting saga in the summer. Now, in terms of some other completed signings, we have Skriniar signs for PSG from Inter Milan. He is a center back. He's a very good center back. There was a lot of other big names going for his signature, but it looks like PSG won the race for him. 
I think he is completing his season at Inter Milan, and then he is making the move. I could be mistaken. I thought that's what I read. But he is for sure going to PSG next season. Another big name, Weston McKinney joins Leeds United. Now, as obviously, as a U.S. fan, this is huge. Now we have three U.S. midfielders all on the same team. We have Jesse Marsh at the helm, and we have an American owner. Now, people are questioning... Because there's so much American influence on the board and uh, top level, if that's why they're signing so many um, American players and they have an American manager now. Jesse Marsh is obviously battling relegation, so we'll see if he can come out and maintain his job anyway before they move on to someone else. But McKinney's, I think, is just a good buy anyway, like, I think a lot of clubs are going for McKinney. Arsenal were looking at McKinney. Liverpool have been looking at McKinney. He's just a good jack-of-all-trades kind of player. And I, a lot of clubs wanted him to obviously Leeds went for him. He opted for Leeds, obviously, because now he has he has comfort. He has some teammates. He has some chemistry with these guys. He's going to have some camaraderie. And we're going to see how he does in the Premier League. I'm excited to see him play. Now, it is just a loan. As of right now, now Leeds do have the option to buy, but it is just a six-month loan until the end of the season. And if he does perform and Leeds like what they see, they might make it a permanent deal. And we'll see uh, Adams, Aronson, and McKinney as a regular outfit in the Premier League, which, as an American fan, is pretty exciting. Um, I know someone's um, – we like to see Americans everywhere, but I, I'm also kind of low-key rooting for Leeds just because of those three players now they ever come up to Liverpool, they're dead to me. But I do want to see them play well together and see how they develop on each other's strengths. That way, when they do, when we go to the Copas, when we go to the World Cup, they have already developed such a strong brand of football together that they will be unstoppable. But yes, Weston McKinney has joined Leeds on loan from Juventus. So, back to Chelsea. Chelsea have signed yet another player. And Malagusto from Leon. Now this is uh, Gusto is going to stay at Leon until the end of the season on loan, but he will be joining Chelsea next season, and he is the one who's going to be really competing with Reese James for that right back spot. Now they both kind of have a similar brand of playing style. So Gusto is also a forward-thinking outside back who likes to get forward, who likes to put balls in the box, similar to Reese James. Now, in my opinion, Reese James is kind of untouchable at this point based based on how he's done for Chelsea, what he's done for Chelsea. But maybe just to give James that little bit of edge, that little bit of competitive edge where, like, man, I really have to make sure I compete all the time. They're bringing in Gusto to really kind of push him to, uh, to really perform. And maybe when Reese James has gotten hurt a few times this season, Having a sick right back as a replacement anyway would just be good for the club. So, honestly, I could. this is probably a very good signing for Chelsea just to kind of provide backup for James or even give James competition, which ho- will hopefully increase his competitive edge. But looking like an exciting ch- uh, signing for Chelsea. Now, on to the last signing that I have picked out is Pedro Porro to Tottenham. So, Pedro Porro came from Sporting. He is kind of like a right-back character. He's looking to really um, add more to this Tottenham de- defense, kind of attack, 
throwing everybody out, and we'll see how he's going to perform. Um, should be pretty exciting. I mean, Tottenham haven't been looking great. They haven't been looking bad, but they haven't been looking great. They don't look really like a competitive team, so they definitely needed some signings. I don't really want Tottenham to do well. I'm I'm really not a big Tottenham fan, but they have made some pretty decent signings, and we'll see what they can do with them. We'll see how they use them to strengthen the team and to see where they finish. I remember when everybody was saying that Tottenham were going to be title contenders with Liverpool and Man City, and I mean, fuck, I mean, look at Liverpool. They're not even <laughs> they're not even touching top four right now, and Man City is just looking like a shade at themselves. And Arsenal are sitting on top, and Tottenham is sitting in fifth. So nobody. This has just been a wild Premier League season, but we'll see how these signings can aid Tottenham and their chance to at least maintain top four, and hopefully that they don't have another season in the Europa League. But those were the big news and headlines, big things that I saw from this previous week. I wanted to go and share with y'all. Like I said, keep an eye out for financial fair play. It's really going to be having more of an impact on transfer because I think they are going to be making it a little bit more strict and it's going to have a huge impact on how clubs and players find loopholes, attain players, but it should be a really interesting time for transfers. But thank you so much for listening. I'm going to come back next week with even more news and headlines. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time.